You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Welcome back to another Thursday episode of Clapback Culture. I'm your girl, Jules Jesse, and I got JC in the building. What's up, JC? Welcome back. I know, right? Welcome back. It's been a long time. I was doing a drum roll. I don't know if y'all can hear it. I was like, uh, and I'm back. <laughs> well, welcome back. Uh, <laughs> glad to have you back here at this show. You know, your girl has been doing it solo. Um, You've been doing I a great job. Yes. Um, since you've been away. Thank you very much. Um, I have had some great uh, co-hosts to come in, some guest co-hosts to come help me out and things like that. So, uh, you know, glad to have you back in the building. Uh-oh. Let me just check my audio really quick, you guys. Um. Anyway, as we're coming in, you guys, if you can just share the stream, that would be great. Um, let everybody know what we're talking about today. Let them know that Clapback Culture is live and we are here. All right, y'all. As we're waiting for folks to kind of tap in, we might as well just get started with the show. Actually, before we do that, JC, tell us what you've been up to. Uh, I have been uh working like a chai negro hebrew slave um which is why i haven't been here (laughs) and i'm fortunate enough to take an entire week off uh we have back in atlanta we have a very huge huge skating event uh called for the love of skating it's happening friday saturday sunday and a little bit on monday um, so shout out to my boy Jody who throws that. This is his fourth or fifth year, I think, I'm doing it. So uh, I took off to do this because I haven't had a chance. I've been working so much. I haven't had a chance to do much of anything that I enjoy. Um, so I was like, I'm going to take, I'm going to use my PTO time off, whatever. I'm going to take like four, five. Actually, it's more than that. I'm off for like six days. So I, I took enough time to skate enough time to have time for myself and just kind of like chill and relax uh, before I get back on the ground. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. If you in Atlanta, Cascade, Golden Glass, Sparkles. Um, I don't know where else. Sorry. Other venue. Come on, let me. I'll be on the floor. That's pretty dope. I, um, I, I don't know how to skate like that. I mean, I can put some skates on and, you know, Maybe not bust my ass, but I don't know how to skate how everybody does, where it's all like really cool. And so I've always wanted to skate like that, uh, but yeah, I don't got enough rhythm. My girl said I can put the skates on. Um, I can put them on. <laughs> Do a couple laps. Definitely gonna, you know, babysit the edge. Um, yeah, you know, and skating is, is pretty physical. So, you know, it's yeah, one of those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, you got to be prepared to fall. I can teach you how to fall. So that way you fall properly. You don't hurt yourself. Oh. Um, that's okay. goal number one is you got to learn how to fall, how to start and how to stop. And then once you build on those, you can do everything else because you're going to need all three of those things. Pretty much it all the time. Anytime you skate, you need to start, stop 
And if you are falling, you need to learn how to fall properly so you don't hurt yourself. Um, so those are all things that, yeah. Fair enough. All right, well, let's go ahead and jump back into this episode. We are Clapback Culture, and today we're gonna bring you some training topics. First thing, let's talk about what you may have missed. I know a lot of you guys have not missed this, but there has been hella smoke um, in, from coming from the Canadian wildfires that are spreading all across the U.S. This is New York City, you guys, and it is looking um, just like this here in Washington, D.C. Um, this smoke is causing really dangerous air quality um um, air quality, air quality, excuse me, pollution in parts of the U.S., um, including D.C., so bad that like when I went out to go feed the dog this morning, I felt like my chest was just tightening up. Um, it's crazy. Like the smoke, you can smell it. It smells like fire. It smells kind of like burning plastic a little bit, but it is so foggy, so hazy. The visibility here is terrible. Um, yeah, and so they called people to work from home, um, and they're also like basically calling people to, um, you know, like just stay indoors as best as possible because the smoke out here is like if you were smoking cigarettes all day. Like it's, it's wow. like it's hazardous, very, oh, wow. very, very hazardous, and it's very eerie outside. Like you look outside and it's like, oh my god, is this Armageddon? Like we're totally living in the last days. Is it like, um, is it orange? Like, is it kind of hate? Like, is it yellowish kind of? Okay. Yeah, it's okay. like, it's hazy, it's red, it's blurry. Um, it seems like there's like a blood moon because of all of the um, oh, wow. all of the pollution. Um, it's very thick and yeah, it's just, it's not good. So I've been inside all day um, and all day yesterday. Even though I went to the office yesterday, we kind of, no one really knew what was going on. So I went to work and I'm like, what's going on? And my colleague was like, oh, there's wildfires in Canada. And so today right. and tomorrow should be um, pretty bad. But New York is like totally underwater as well as Philadelphia. So much so that they've had to actually cancel some airline flights because of the lack of visibility there. So um, if you guys are on the East Coast and this is affecting you, you guys keep your heads up. Um, stay indoors, stay safe. And, you know, uh, just kind of scale back on those outdoor activities until we get that all clear. Yeah, like even when I uh, read the article, it just said like Wisconsin and Chicago. And it, it didn't really mention anything about D.C. and New York and like the Northeast core. Oh. So like that's crazy that there's that's so weird. much smoke that is literally because I looked on my phone and there was like a like a smog advisory. And I was like, wait. I have it on California? Like, what is, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, am I accidentally in California? Like, what's the, it says it right now, actually. Um, So I just, I hadn't connected that it might be to, how much of Canada is on fire? Like, goddamn. Um, yeah, it's a lot. It's, <laughs> it's one of the worst wildfires they've had in, in its history, if not the worst in its history. So yeah, you should Google it before you look. I mean, it's out of control. Like I pulled up some videos. I mean, it's just sweeping, sweeping, sweeping and destroying a bunch of stuff. So um, we're gonna keep Canada in our prayers because if we're getting this here, I can only imagine what they're getting over there. So our prayers are up for Canada. But speaking of other countries, 
Um, this is an interesting article and kind of weird at the same time, if I have to say so myself. Um, but there is a guy, a sultan, if you will, uh, who ran out of countries to visit. So he decided to create his own. Yes. Uh, the Republic of Slojamistan. Um, and listen, he's a late night slow jams DJ from San Diego. Shout out to Dago. Um, who's known as the Sultan of Slow Jams, Slow Jamistan. Um, and so, like I said, he was this person who was an avid traveler. He went all around the all around the world um, and traveled to a bunch of different countries. And after he ran out of countries to go to, he said, listen, I guess I will just buy this 11 acre plot of empty land in the desert of California and I'm going to build my own country. And so that's exactly what he did. And he named it after his radio show. Uh, he did this and declared it on December 1st, 2021, as he broadcasted his uh, his live stream. Um, and yeah, it's a dictatorship. It's this whole thing. And he his excellency, Randy R. Deb Williams, uh, is is running the show. So there you have it. Uh, JC, you brought us this topic. So tell us your thoughts on this. Um, I. As a person who aspires to um, literally own islands, yeah, this is right up my bag. Like when I saw this, I said, um, it calls to the inner rich, heterosexual, uh, straight white man inside of me, pause, called Harvey Connor III. Um, that, that's something that Harvey would do, HC3. So I was like, I saw him and I saw myself reflected in him as best as a black man can. And so like, yeah, I was just like, this is, this is, <laughs> this is for me. I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> uh, this is very quirky. I mean, I, I'm curious to know, like, how much did you spend on this land? Um, and he you know, this also sounds, it sounds like a quirky. It says 20, I think he's in the article, it said he spent about $20,000 for 11.5 acres, which for California ain't actually not that bad. I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere. I, you know, listen, I think this is very odd, um, very privileged thing to do. Um, I guess I just don't see. I don't know why he's investing so much time into this. I guess it's just one of those things to say you did. And guess what? I mean, he has the means to do it, uh, just like he had the means to travel all the world. So, you know, more power to him. If you live a life where the, you know, a priority is to create your own country and you have the luxury of doing that, more power to you. I'm not going to knock his hustle. I'm not going to knock what he likes. So we're going to let him live in the Republic of Slojamistan and let him live his life, okay? Um, you wouldn't get you a country if you had the opportunity? Not like this. No. Mm-mm. No. You want like a I real would, and I don't want to be the ruler of anything. I don't want to have that much responsibility to, to decide how to create, it, you know, a government and systems. And, you know, the article even talks about, uh, you know, kind of like recruiting citizens. 
um, and choosing, you know, the the national fruit and the national colors and all these things, you know, just not that interested. You know, if I had $20,000, I would think about a different kind of investment um, that would kind of fit my, uh, my, my likes a little bit more. Okay. 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 So you, you aren't one of those people that play like the Sims or any type of those games. Oh, I loved The Sims, but it, that's so, a game. But you would do this? Yeah, but it'll be, it's kind of like yeah. a game, but in like real life. No, no I wouldn't do this. <laughs> but but I, I mean, I would take $20,000 and, and buy a piece of land and build a beautiful home, but I don't want to be a ruler of a country. Like, I don't want to create my own dynasty, if you will. Not that serious, but I would, I would take $20,000 and purchase some land okay. and build on the land. But yeah. not for, not to create a republic. Nah, I'm good. That's this is how Las Vegas started. Think about it like that. Yeah, congratulations. I mean, <laughs> out to the Republic of Slowjamistan. Okay, <laughs> they they established their independence from the United States. They're a place, <laughs> you know, and they're welcoming uh, residents okay it's open for business pull up if you if you wish right there in the california desert okay we'll, we'll try to drop the recording. <laughs> <laughs> um you know i had mentioned earlier that i have returned to work after working remotely and i'll just be totally honest with you i am not loving this at all however i really love my job um so that's like kind of the caveat, right? It's like, I don't want to go work in an office building anymore, but I love the work that I do so much that it's like, I'm not going to bug back too much. Right. right. Um, but there are some people who are bucking back and, uh, the CEO of it, who took over a really large insurance company, you guys is pushing back and reversing a policy where workers can work from home. Um, and so they're pissed. OK. And they're talking about unionizing. They're talking about um, just all of the the little adjustments that they made. A lot of new hires came on board with the understanding that they would be working remotely, some selling their cars, some moving out of state um, and making these kind of like huge life changes because their job did not require them to go into a physical office space to conduct business. Um, what say you, JC, to this? Like, you know, here we are, we're post-COVID, you know, they have taken the pandemic off the table. We're not worried about COVID anymore. We're not talking about that. Um, the, you know, is it time to get back to business as usual? Um prior to the pandemic or is this the new wave what what should we expect what are your thoughts on this so two things the first thing is in this specific situation um so the ceo ralph vargas is the, he's a new ceo like he just got there right and so for the past i want to say like two three years um the people that got hired like tens of thousands of people that got hired, they were told explicitly that their uh, positions will be permanently remote, right? And so, you know, these people moved, these people did whatever they needed to do because they, it, you know, specifically in their paperwork, it says permanently remote. And so for this guy to literally just pull up 
and be like, um, yeah, I know what y'all signed, but I need everybody back because I want everybody back. Um, I don't know. I just don't think that's a good move. It doesn't build morale um, in an economy where people are looking for people to have jobs, you know, trying to force people to come back to work that literally uprooted their lives. And like, I was reading the story that people that moved closer to their kids, people that bought houses, people that did all of these things because they were told that and promised that and have that in writing that, Hey, you're going to be able to work wherever you want to, you know, it's completely remote. Like that's not, that's not really good for business. You know, that's something like 60,000 employees. Um, if not 60, excuse me, maybe not 60,000, but 60% of the company. Um, that's a very large number. Because if all 60% of those people leave, then what? Then what do you do? Do you stay, do you stay to your guns or, you know, do you call their bluff? Like what's the, what's the what here? So I don't I, if if I'm that. the owner, I'm probably going to call people's bluff because I doubt everybody would quit. And if, and even if, and even if they lost the bluff, they could just reverse the policy and hire the people back. Yeah. But like, why go through all of that? Like, what's the point? Because the second point of this is, and I was talking to somebody else about it. I'm like, I want to see the data on productivity from in office versus at home. Like, I would like to see that data because a lot of times, um, and I was just at an event and we were talking about this. Um, a lot of times it's more so like those companies have bought office space and they don't want their money to go to waste. That's one. Or two is kind of like one of those situations where, um, you know, you're salaried, right? So you're paid for eight mm-hmm. hours a day, um, but you may only be working maybe three. And I guess my, like, point to that is, so is the work getting done? Is more work getting done? Is, pro- is productivity up? Like, just because you, quote unquote, want to be big brother or you don't want to lose out on your investment in this office building, like, why would you do It doesn't make sense. So I want to see the data on, you know, company-wide, corporate, uh, uh, business-wide, corporation-wide. I would like to see the data on um, pre-pandemic office productivity and work-from-home office productivity. And I, I just want to see the data on that. Um, Cause I know personally, hell, when I was working from home, it was lit. Um, everybody was saying, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I'll close the topic here. But the last thing I'll say is that I think I don't even care about the data. I think we're talking about morale and a hybrid schedule works for a lot of people. I think having some days in the office is efficient and having some days at home is efficient too. So, you know, uh, there's no need to go backwards. We just need to continue to move forward there. We have the ability to conduct business this way and we should just keep moving. (laughs) All right. The next thing um, that I want to talk to you guys about is home buying. Okay. JC, again, another uh, topic that you brought to us. I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce this, but basically uh, 20 and 40 year olds are trying to move to their parents' backyard because the housing market is just some trash, apparently. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, so this article is very interesting. It's talking about like how the housing market is literally so bad um, that what people are doing now is literally, remember how you used to have like a guest suite or the pool house or whatever else? Like people are literally building those in their parents' backyard um, on purpose or anybody that might have land that they're cool with. They're saying, hey, can I put a like 
excuse me, can I put a tiny home in your backyard? Um, because it's a lot cheaper to build a house on land that's already purchased than trying to build a house, to, than trying to buy the house and buy the land and build the house and do all of these things. Um, and so I'm like, that was interesting to me because we only have a housing crisis in America because people is greedy. Like, I mean, that's that's the real reason. Outside of that, the, the article also mentions how um, most of the space in America is zoned for literally only residential housing, uh, res- only residential housing, housing, excuse me. So like single family homes or like maybe like a duplex or a triplex. Right. So they're not zoned for a lot of apartment buildings or whatever else or whatever else. So they have to be put in a specific place. Um, and so I'm just like, this is creating like this perfect storm. We've got like um, non-functional housing zoning laws. We got exorbitant house prices. We got inflation at an all-time high. We got wages at an all-time low. It's like the perfect storm, man. And I'm just like, as a millennial, I'm tired. Like, I just, I'm tired. We've been through like 8,600,000 million crises. I just want to live like, I just, I just want to buy a house and sip a margarita on my front porch. Right. That's all I want to do. I don't want to have to build a house in my mama's backyard. My mommy ain't got no backyard. She lives in an apartment. See, this is what I'm saying. And 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 this is where I'm at. That's why I brought this I mean, story. Literally, out. that was my point. I've never heard anything. I've never heard this. Um, I don't know anybody who is even plotting to mm-hmm. build a home in their parents' backyard, probably because their parents don't have no backyard to build no home in. Um, mm-hmm. And furthermore, I think the larger issue is less about i mean again this is kind of a a article from a point of privilege if your parents own land and then not only do your parents own land they own the house that the land sits on and then we're allowing you to build your own home on the land so you got to have money to do all of that um which also Okay. Oh no, I was gonna say. Oh no, that was I'm I'm out on the deck. So that. Okay. Okay. I'm like, whoa. That was a motor. That was that was a motorcycle. Um, but no. Um, it also was saying that um, uh, California, and I think Oregon. I had to watch to be sure, but definitely California. They started. They launched a program, um, that incentivized people to build tiny homes or um, guest suites on the land of other people, right? To actually increase the density at a more economical rate. Um, So that uh, California was the pilot program. It did really well, like extremely well. And so they are using California um, as kind of like a test. What's the word that you call it? A test something. Like a pilot. And I don't know why why they're using I don't know why we continue the most expensive state in the union. Like it's it's not a good reference point. California is its own California is its own thing. And you know what I'm saying? And this is this is not realistic for a lot of people who live in urban communities. Um, you know, if you think about the housing markets in like Atlanta or Texas or excuse me, Georgia or Texas. Um, you know, I think there's an abundance of opportunity here in Washington, D.C. We have some of the best first time home buying programs in the country um, where 
the the median family income if you make under like the lower you make the more money that you're able to get with the first time home buyers assistance program which is called HVAP and you can get up to $200,000 in gap financing so here's what that means that means if your bank gives you $200,000 they say okay JC you qualify for $200,000 and then HVAP says you qualify for $200,000 you can then take 200,000 plus 200,000, which is $400,000 and go shop for a $400,000 home. So you have your first mortgage, which is 200,000, and you're gonna pay that interest on that loan. And then you have your second mortgage, which is your gap financing from HPAP, that is zero interest for the life of the loan. And you don't even have to start paying that money back until after the first five years. So programs like that, I think are, are really real ways that we can create generational wealth in the black community. It's a real way that people can get into homes and stay in their neighborhoods. A lot of natives that are being outpriced who, you know, for example, like if you live in, if you grew up in Seattle, but now you can't live in Seattle and you have to move to Tacoma or you have to move to federal way or, you know, even, you know, further out to Olympia or something of that nature, this gives you an opportunity to have like first choice to live in the city that you were born and raised in. And so I'm a strong advocate for first time home buying programs. It's the way that I purchased my house. It took me five years to get my house, but I mean, your girl has a credit score of a 794. So I work damn hard to get that way, but it took these programs to get me fiscally responsible yes. to make that happen. And so they put you on the right track um, to home ownership. And it took me years to get on track, right? Because when I graduated college, I had a credit score of 555. So coming from, and actually, no, I'm sorry. I had a 325 coming out of college. And then I started cleaning up my credit. I remember getting a 555 and thinking, wow, I can really start building this up. And so anyone who's watching this, uh, this stream tonight, if you are interested in home buying, just know, continue to keep your head down, um, save your money, save your money, save your money, continue to find ways to generate more revenue because it is expensive, right? It's expensive, but you do need to take advantage of the programs that are out here. Not sure if this tiny home thing is, uh, you know, something that we need, because again, how do you build generational wealth with a, with a tiny home? You don't. Well, I guess, you know. Well, I guess the I guess the I guess the generational wealth portion of it could be like if you guys if if both of the owners decide to sell the property now there's two there's a main house and a guest house again this is very very white you're very white about that um but like <laughs> this is super white what? yeah yeah <laughs> listen y'all come on we gonna we gonna bring some real programs for you guys because this we ain't doing that y'all don't even got your mama and daddy don't even have no backyard so all right look let's take a quick break but when we come back i want to do it for the culture one time for the one time and i want to talk about a couple things mary j blige is speaking out about her prenup and having to pay alimony to her former cheating ass husband stay tuned you're watching clapback culture Big Tobacco thinks they know everything. They think they know you, your community, the places you go, and the way that you spend your time. They think they got you all figured out, down to a formula, a calculation based off of numbers of what they think they know. 
show them they're wrong. Learn more at theythinktheyknowyou.org. One in every 500 African Americans in the U.S. suffers from sickle cell disease. One in three African American blood donors is a match for patients with sickle cell. One appointment to donate blood with the American Red Cross can help save a life. Will you be that one? Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood today to schedule an appointment at a location near you. Hey, you guys, I'm Jay Martin Jr., the host of the Drive Project podcast, where we talk about passion, purpose, and possibility. It's available for you to listen on whereweconverge.com, SoundCloud. You can listen to it on Apple, Spotify, Google, and so much more. Real conversations with real people. And some of it is just me sharing my perspective. I can't wait for you to listen. Thank you so much. COVID-19 hurt my income, my health, and my family. We were about to lose our home when we heard we might be eligible for homeowner assistance funds from the government. We called 1-877-894-HOME and a housing counselor stepped in. They talked to our lender and saved our home because falling on hard times does not have to mean losing your home. Federal funding details at WashingtonHAF.org. All right, all right. Welcome back to this episode of Five Back Culture. I'm your girl, Jill Jesse. Um, JC is back, and we got some topics we want to chop it up about. So, listen, um, I was strolling on social media and I saw Mary J, the queen baby, talking about her lack of prenup to her former husband, um, producer Kenzo. Can't remember his last name. Um, but she's talking to the young girls and trying to give them advice about um, getting this prenup. Let's take a look at this video. Your thoughts on prenups and what it, how would you approach it or what advice would you give as far as for a woman that may be wealthy, well off, and they're looking to get married? Get a prenup. Because <laughs> I didn't have one. And that's why I was in, I ended up having to just give everything away because it's so, let me just speak, it's so whack right now that men, you know, can come at you and get, and, and you know, you know and, and get alimony. So when I was getting a divorce, I was like, <laughs> you mean to tell me I got to pay him? <laughs> all right so is this a laughing matter i mean listen i think i'm going to take this first wealthy people or individuals i think prenups are really important especially because you need to protect your bag i mean you walk into a relationship thinking everything's going to be great um but you know in this situation uh you know it's really devastating mary j has to pay 30k a month to a man that cheated on her throughout her relationship and not only cheated on her, but also um, physically abused her. So this is this is terrible for her. But I think, you know, protect your investments. I think if you're in a relationship with somebody and you guys want to build, uh, you know, the idea is that you're going to come in, you're going to leave with what you came with. Right. And so I don't think there's anything disrespectful about asking for that. Um you know, it, listen, and I also think there should be an agreement 
that if you guys are both broke and then something happens while you're in the marriage that we're just going to split everything down the middle. Having that kind of understanding is good because, you know, when shit gets sour, you know, it's going to be hard to split the bill. So I thought uh, I thought from my understanding, that's what a prenup was for. A prenup was like I thought a prenup was essentially it protects everything that both of y'all have at the start of the relationship, right? So if I am dead broke and you rich and I sign a prenup and you continue to get rich and as I stay with you, we build something, right? We can still split the thing that we built, but I don't get any of the revenue that you had from before I was broke. Isn't that what the prenup does? So no, a prenup is whatever you want it to be, right? It's just a prenuptial It means before we decide to get married, we can write up a contract on how we intend to split the finances if this shit goes sour. So that means you can get, you know, half of my investments. You can take the house. You can have this. It's just talking about what do we agree on right now while we're in, you know, uh, bliss and having these great times. What are we talking about? Right. Um, And it's, it's a great opportunity to have those conversations because again, you know, maybe I'm a broke bride, but I have a very wealthy, you know, a husband. And he says, Maybe. listen, I want, I want to make sure that you're well taken care of, you know, even if, um, you know, something happens in this relationship. If something happens in this relationship, you're going to leave with the house, the car and child support payments for any kids that you have in a, in, you know, within the marriage. Right. Or, you know, it says, I'm going to make sure that you have this, this, that. So you guys can d- make a determination of what this is. And so Mary J is giving um, that advice out. I think this advice could apply to really any relationship, right? Um, because you might want to have a contractual agreement before you go into it to just say, hey, listen, you know, I, I own this house, you own that house. You know, if we break up, you get your house and I'm going to get my house and then that's it. You know, so I don't think there's anything wrong with having a contract on the table. I also don't think there's anything wrong with not having a contract on the table and saying like, you know, we'll figure that out when we get there. So I think it's totally up to the people in the relationship. If you are considerably wealthy um, and particularly if you do have children, I do think the right direction to go in is to protect your portfolio um, and make sure that if something should happen, that your ducks are in a row. I do have a question, um, and this is just me being devil's advocate. Uh, this situation with Mary and her ex-husband was horrible. Uh, but would this be a thing if the rose was reversed? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think um, especially because if you look at other cases where women are having to get like, look at Dr. Dre, right? Dr. Dre even sold off his assets. So his wife, so he didn't have to pay his wife so much in alimony. And she was going hard. Like she wanted to somehow like still have this lifestyle maintained. She was stealing money out the bank account so she could have all of this. So I think it's the same both ways. I think historically it has been unbalanced where we see um, men Uh, having to pay alimony because they're the ones who are the breadwinners in the family. But because she had the highest level of income, she has to keep him to a certain standard of lifestyle. Right. Um, You know, my arguments with, I have my own kind of sentiments about that too. I don't necessarily think 
that if we're in a relationship and I and I'm the breadwinner in the relationship, if our relationship dissolves, I mean, we should just be able to go about our business. I don't want to have to maintain your lifestyle. But if you had a prenup, you could say I'll maintain the lifestyle, but I'm only going to make sure that you have rent. I'm only going to make sure that you have, you know, a a viable vehicle. And then that's it. Like, I'm not going to make sure that you are living. You're no longer with me. So you are not deserving of the lifestyle that comes with me. That's my opinion. I agree. Especially Um, I I, I agree. And I also I think. um, As a person that does not aspire to marriage, let me say that. Um, I think if I were. I, w- I would definitely a have a prenup, uh, especially because I mean, let's be real. I'm probably gonna be making money by the time I'm married. The other person may not be right, but okay. So I would definitely have a prenup, and then I would definitely, it, if I agree to pay things, if we separate, it's definitely gonna be a sunset clause in that because you ain't getting money in perpetuity. Like we're not, <laughs> I'm not fitting to pay everything for the rest of your like. Nah, bro, we not. Nah, nah, nah. That's not. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I, me personally, I wouldn't introduce a prenup, but I'm totally open to signing a prenup and I'm totally open to negotiating those terms, but I'm comfortable. I know myself. I know that if my relationship ever dissolved, God forbid, I would just try to split things down the table and be fair. Like I'm not, I'm not really like a person who is real janky like that, especially because it, it, from an ex, you don't want that, right? Like, I want a, a clean break. Let's just move on. Let's be cordial. Let's just keep everything off the one and one So it really doesn't even really need to be that. Um, but not everybody's like that. So if you feel like you need to protect your investments, protect your investments, you know? All right. I want to talk about um, DC Young Fly. He lost his lifetime partner, his longtime partner, uh, Miss Jackie O, Jacqueline Smith. You guys, this happened last week. It actually happened a couple of hours before the show last week, so I didn't get to report on it. Um, but Jackie O died at 33. It is said that she died from complications following a mommy makeover. And so we haven't really heard the details on that. Uh, DC Young Fly did come out and release a statement today. Um And I was really proud of the post that he laid out, you guys, because it it was so powerful in that he did not sound broken to the point where he's not going to be able to move on. And he's really invested, deeply invested into his faith. He's leaning on um, spiritual guidance in this moment to kind of get him through. Uh, Him and Jackie had have three kids together two girls and a boy. Um, And this is just such a huge loss. I'm seeing this all over social media to be 33 um, and, you know, to undergo a surgery and then have complications thereafter, you know, really, really sucks. Um, And, you know, our prayers are just with DC Young Fly, the children and the family. But there is a story that I wanted to report on. And that's Azalea Banks. And Azalea Banks was trolling the hell out of uh, DC Youngfly. Uh, because if you remember, D- uh, Azalea went on While and Out, where the two of them met. Um, and basically, she felt some type of way that she got ranked on while she was there. But I mean, it, the whole point of the show is to get laughed at. 
And um, and she felt a way that, you know, people are basically ripping her a new one. And she's like, wow. OK, DC Youngfly, you made fun of me and called me ugly and said I look like this and that. And now your partner dies from going to get plastic surgery like and really was like, yeah, and I won. And my issue with that is like one. As media, we shouldn't be giving that any light. Like we shouldn't be uplifting that because it's just too, it's too much of a low blow. And I think some of these platforms like really degrade themselves by putting out those kind of wicked ass comments. Like that's so wicked to even in someone's sorrow to, to be the person to raise your hand and be like, yeah, vengeance is mine. To even have that kind of hatred in your heart is just crazy to me and is beyond words. So Azalea Banks, girl, you sound different. Azalea Banks, um, I got to give credit where credit is due. Um, Nobody likes her. And I feel like she's just leaning fully into that. And it's like, you know, if Excuse me. She's and she's got like two songs I like, just two. And so um, when I first heard about it, I really thought that you know because she was saying she was speaking about colorism and she was talking about a whole bunch of things. And I was like, oh, I feel sad for because you know this is a relatable story. But then like shit like this just keeps happening. And like yo, you're a horrible person, son. Like you are a horrible person. Nothing good ever happens to you. And nothing good ever happens to you because you're a horrible individual. Like, how do you say, like, this person just like, like, regardless of how you personally feel, you attack, you you attack the person you got beef with by attacking the person that can't even like defend them. Like, come on, fam. Like, you, she's a horrible human being, fam. I had no about, I had no idea about that. Like, that's that's she's horrible. Wow. Her post said. Her pill said, I'm happy and I cried and I moved on. That Jackie O girl must have been so deeply insecure about herself and the nerve of DC to call such a gorgeous woman as Azalea Banks ugly on national TV. Dead at 32, exactly on my 32nd birthday, May 31st, 2023, in Miami, Florida. You are going to learn to stop effing with me. That's not even the whole thing, JC. It's a hot mess. Um, I ain't got to understand about that. That's horrible, son. Like, yeah. wow. wow. I don't know. Listen, there's a lot of weird people in this world, and Azalea Banks um, is one of those very weird and wicked individuals, and I hope that we no longer give her a platform to spew this kind of hate speech, especially in somebody's grief. And so if we talking about protecting people, we need to protect DC Youngfly because that's just so gross and out of control. Uh, the clap back of the night is crazy. Uh, Travis Rudolph um, was found not guilty on all counts. But there's a bigger story. So if you guys don't remember who this is, this is the former NFL player. Um, He was a former NFL receiver, but didn't really spend much time in the league. He actually played for Florida, um, but he was a a receiver there. Um, But he was found not guilty on all counts in a connection to a fatal 2021 shooting outside of his Florida home. Uh, On Wednesday, the jury found him not guilty on these counts. Um, and said that it was indeed 
self-defense. So here's what happened. If you guys don't remember, he was arrested on April 7, 2021, uh, because there was an altercation. There was a shooting after an altercation at his house. And so the shooting was him shooting about, I think about 90 rounds at four people that pulled up to his house. And it's all on this ring camera um, that we're going to show you in a second. Um, but the most interesting details that came out from this case, and you may have seen it on social media, is that the jury heard from his former ex-girlfriend, Dominique Jones. Well, there's a lot of tea that goes on with Dominique Jones because she was married while she was dating Travis. I mean, while she was dating him and didn't let Travis know, right? And so one of the attorneys even asked her, JC, like, why, you know, did he know you were married? And she was like, well, the question never came up. So I never mentioned it. So this girl is, you know, the reason why all of this stuff kicked off. So Travis is saying, listen, I was dating this girl, Dominique. Uh, she felt like I didn't do much for her on Valentine's Day. And that's when things started to really go downhill. Well, what does a married woman expect to happen uh, when she is the side piece, okay? Like, what kind of expectations do you have on Valentine's Day? Well, from, she's side piece herself. So, like... <laughs> you're the side piece. You are a side piece with your side piece. And so this physical altercation took place allegedly because um, she uh, felt, because she said she found text messages on Travis's phone that he was texting other girls. Okay, but sis, you're married, okay? Well, she sent a text message to her brothers and said, you know, y'all need to go shoot up his house. Well, she said, go shoot up his shit. Let's take a look at the video, you guys. Let's watch it. We're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about it. That's right. Today, prosecutors show the jury some surveillance video that they show say that shows that Travis Rudolph was the aggressor, that he was shooting at four men who came apparently to shoot up his house. Although one of those men testified today saying that just meant they were there for a fist fight, not murder. Prosecutors say Travis Rudolph was the aggressor the night in April 2021. Four men showed up at his door, Rudolph shooting 39 rounds as they fled following a fight, showing jurors this surveillance video of bullets flying from Rudolph's semi-automatic rifle as he chased them down the street. Murder begins when self-defense ends. Now that was a simple sentence said many, many years ago, but that simple sentence perfectly encapsulates why this defendant right there, Travis Rudolph, is sitting in the chair that he's sitting in. The four men arrived when Rudolph's girlfriend contacted them, claiming Rudolph had assaulted her after she found texts from other women on his phone, telling them to come shoot up the house. One of those men, the girlfriend's brother, testifying he was throwing punches at Rudolph during the fistfight, but insisting no one pulled a gun and all four ran and got into their car. But Rudolph's attorney insisting Rudolph was acting in self-defense. Isn't that a fact? that you guys immediately attacked him, never giving him a chance to do anything. No. Rudolph's attorneys say he never began shooting until two of the men in the car pointed guns at him through the windows and he was in fear for his life. They were vigilantes. They were four men who went there to retaliate and kill just as they were ordered to do. 
But Kashan Jones saying he was in the front seat and did not see Sebastian Jean-Jacques lean out of the back seat and point a gun at Rudolph. I'm telling you that I didn't see any guns pointed. And two of the men did apparently have weapons. Testimony in this case will continue throughout the week. Live in West Palm Beach, Terry Parker, WPBF 25 News. Well, this is self-defense for real, for real. I mean, JC, four people pull up to your house. There's a deadly encounter. Um, you know, are, if someone if someone sends you a text that says, go shoot up his shit, does that mean you're coming for a fist fight or does that mean you're about to go shoot up some shit? It means that you're about to go shoot up some shit. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't really, you can't really talk that down. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if you, I don't know, because if you, if if more, if anybody pulls up in my house, first of all, y'all trespassing. Um, <laughs> let's just be honest. Second of all, <laughs> you try to get in my house, now y'all working the internet. Um, and so the way that the law works is that in most states, if you cross my threshold, I have a right to defend myself. So anyway, um, I'm I'm busting. Like I don't really. Um, that's I. I don't see a problem in this. In this, I don't see a problem here. I don't. Um, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing about this is that somebody actually really lost their life in this, right? And they lost their life because this girl was so reckless in raising the alarm. And this is why it's so important that we as women have to protect um, our, our, protect our, our, our men, our protectors, right? Like if I get into some type of altercation or some type of uh, just, you know, just issue, I'm gonna protect Rodney at all costs, right? Like I'm not going to call him into a scene where he feels like he has to protect me and go above and beyond the call of duty um, and put himself in harm's way. And I think she should be held liable and responsible because, excuse me, she should be held liable and responsible because she is the person who put everybody in harm's way and then lied about it, right? And so somebody lost their whole life. Like there is a son that is dead. There is a father that is dead because you decided to be reckless, right? Um, we have a question that came in. Let's go ahead and, and talk about that. So Harry Jefferson says, can I ask both of you this? Why isn't this woman getting charged uh, for the murder? Shouldn't she be charged for the murder? Exactly. Um, and, and that speaks directly to my point in that you, you can't she? cry wolf. Well, not yet. And he and this is, you know, this happened two years ago. He was in jail and he was locked up without without bond. And so he had to fight for this. And so this young man is finally exonerated and being freed uh, to be able to go on and live his life. But can you imagine like. Girl, you're married. And guess what? Let me tell you something. If I was her brother. And I, you know, her brother went on the stand and talked about, you know, I know my sister to be um, an embellisher. I know her to kind of exaggerate things. Um, guess what? Why didn't anybody call her brother? Call her husband? Right, right. Because I would have been like, <laughs> why oh. wasn't the husband the first choice? So like, yeah. So you had this man house, so he did what? All right, so let's call your husband up. We're gonna meet. Like this was none of that. Your 
sister is cheating on her husband with her side piece who put his hands on her. Girl, you why are you calling me, me. to go shoot up his house? And bring all the homies with me. Why are you guys even giving all that energy to your sister? Like nobody's checking to say, listen, what are you doing anyway? Like you're already in a situation that don't make no sense. Mm -hmm. Let's back Mm -hmm. that up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's going on? I'm like, if that happened to my sister, I'm not even going to lie. I will pull up. I'm, I'm going to pull up because that's my sister. But it's like, we're going to have a talk. Like, I'm not going to pull up with a whole bunch of people. I'm going to pull up and be like, bring your ass out. Bring your ass home. Let's First of all, let's go home to my brother-in-law. Second of all, let's, like, like why? I don't, ooh. I'm going to pull up for my sister. I am going, I'm, I'm going to defend my sister. However, it's kind of like one of those things where it is like, okay, so I did this one time. Don't expect this the second or third time because you shouldn't be doing this in the first place. Like, I'm not even the first person you should call. You got a whole husband. It's just this is job. I know if, if, if I'm the brother in this situation and I know that my sister is a liar, is a liar. my sister's not a liar, though. My sister is a liar and I know that she exaggerates <laughs> and I know that big. Um, and, 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 and I'm going to go on the limb and say, and even if I, and if I know my sister, um, cuts up at the mouth, if I know that she gets physical too, I'm not running to her aid like this without further investigation. And so it could be a phone call to be like, yo, what's really good. What's happening. Right. If my sit, if it's, you know, and and this is the thing. I don't know exactly what else she said because she deleted a bunch of text messages, right? She deleted this text message and she did deleted a bunch of other text messages. But that just goes to show you, even when you deleted a text, it ain't gone. So uh, I say all that to say she created a situation that went way too far. If you knew you guys had a couple of drinks, if you knew you were married and this guy was seeing somebody else too, if you had put your hands on him and then he put his hands on you, you do not have the right to then call in the soldiers calling in the cavalry to come and save you. It's not that type of situation. And so you are, you're it's wolf tickets. You're selling wolf tickets. It's not given that. This is a situation where she absolutely absolutely should be charged um, and held responsible for the death of the of the of the man who came to aid her. Um, You know, and I don't know if they had guns or not. Right. Like even if they didn't, y'all pulling up to somebody's house after an altercation, you're coming for smoke and you got it and you didn't live to tell about it. And so here you are. And now you're looking at your sister who's hella 99 cents anyway. It's just not getting that. So play stupid I'm, games for stupid prizes. There I, you I, go. I, Bingo. I, Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. 
and, and we'll leave that there. So, uh, you know, I hate that a life was lost in this situation, um, but I'm interested to see if Dominique Jones is going to get charges. And if I was Travis Rudolph, I would be pursuing charges mm-hmm. on her um, after this, because now that you didn't fought and you won, I'd be going to see if we could pull some charges up on her to uh, to have her take some responsibilities for this act. So there you have it. But that's our show tonight. Um, I appreciate everybody who tuned in and watched tonight. Thank you for coming through on this good Thursday. Uh, we'll be back next week, same time, same place. JC, when you're not here, where can they find you? Y'all can find me at JC from the OBT. I said it again, JC from the OBT on the gram and the OVT network on TikTok. That's it. That's it. All right. And I'm Jewel Jess. You guys can find me on Instagram and Twitter at treasure of J-U-L-E-S. You know what it is. Pull up, follow me. Let me know what you want to talk about next week. Until then, I'll be right here. Stay peaceful. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.